This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, welcome to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio with Charlie Dobbin. How are you this morning, Charlie? I'm excellent. How are you, Dean? I am well. I'm on this rainy day. Good day for ducks, certainly in many parts of the province. And good day for the gardens. I um, We've been pretty dry here, so I'm super happy for this rain. And when you say here, you're, you're saying on the county, Prince Edward County, that Belleville, that part of the province dry? Has been, yeah. This is our first rain in a couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, things were drying up pretty good. Now things are looking a lot more moist, which is great but not so great for maybe all the plant sales that are going on today. They're outdoor events, they're cash only, they're rain or shine. But uh, just to give everybody a little update on what's going on today, in Hillsborough, the Garden Club has got a plant sale from 8.30 to 1 p.m., 9042 Wellington Road, 22. That's in Hillsborough, between 3rd and 4th Line. This is a, a cool club. They've been together for 70 years beautifying the community so go give them a a little helping hand buy some plants so they can keep beautifying as well today the oakville horticultural society uh plant sale at Glen abbey united church 1469 notting hill gate in oakville uh 8 30 to 11 so that's on right now and also today the whitby brooklyn garden club nine to one in the municipal parking lot, uh, Price Street in Brooklyn. Speaking of Brooklyn, I will be there speaking to the Whitby Brooklyn Garden Club this coming Wednesday, 7 o'clock. My topic is gardening as we age. So come on out to the Brooklyn United Church and say hello. Oh, it's really raining now. Is it really? Yeah, it's been, well, as I say, I think it's raining in many parts of the province uh, right now, which, again, uh, topping up all those water tables and wells and stuff. That's important, right? <laughs> for sure. Where I live, for sure. We we do have water issues when we get into drought. Gotcha. Okay, I'm going to give out the numbers now. We'd love for you to give us a call with any gardening questions, either indoor or outdoor. Uh, the number, if you live in Toronto, is 416-360-0740. Or toll-free anywhere else in the province, it's one 740 4740. Do let Carlos know if you are a first time caller. And of course, I will give you the garden wings. And we want you to call often. We want you to call early. And please, one question per call. We will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here with The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. I'm Dean Holland. And Charlie, we have calls on the line, so let's get right to them. We're going to Etobicoke. We have Sandra on the line. Welcome to The Garden Show, Sandra. 
Good morning, Charlie and Dean. Yes, a wet morning here too, which I'm happy to see. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My question, Charlie, is for the last two years I grow scarlet runners for the beans. The sparrows have obviously decided it's the most delectable little treat, and they just eat every bean. I tried putting netting over them. That didn't really work. Do you have any ideas? Are there any... I've seen some bird scarers. They look like little discs with a red eye in the middle. Do you think they work? Well, yeah, exactly. That's like the um, aluminum plates, you know, hang those and they blow in the wind or anything that makes noise. You need um, something, uh, chimes maybe hanging nearby, just something to scare them, you know, something that's not consistent, that's, uh, you know, in, like has a sort of an unpredictable uh, like noise or, or bright light or something. Because, yeah, if, if netting hasn't worked, unless... You put an even finer netting, you know, like a cheesecloth kind of netting that the sun and the moisture can still get in, but the birds can't because, you know, they've got pretty narrow beaks. They can get through pretty fine netting. But um, I'm just wondering, as the beans start to get just, do, are they taking them right away when they're young or are they waiting until they're, they're really more ripe? Small, just after they've flowered and they start to form, you can just see the little beans starting to form. That's when they hmm. take them. Yeah. That's so yeah, that my best suggestion. Yeah, like, I have. Yeah, it's a tough one. And they do that with strawberries too, right? The strawberries are white, and then they get a little tiny bit of red on them, and then the birds take them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it's only for the last two years. It's never happened before. Oh, you've got some unusual sparrows, I'd say. <laughs> I always think when I hear these stories that it's time to, you know, revisit the idea of the garden show slingshot. (laughs) Get a dog. Get a dog. (laughs) Bits of tin foil, I guess, might make a a noise in the wind. Strips of tin foil. Yeah, and also movement, right? That glittery movement. That helps, too. I'll try that. Yeah, good. Good luck with that. I'm just so cute. I'm just watching some robins building a nest right outside my window. I thought the robins had already had their babies. Well, I had a pair of robins the decided the best place to build the nest was on top of the birdhouse. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. <laughs> Not a good idea. <laughs> over, the, over the front door. Now you can't use the door for two months. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck with that, Sandra. Yeah, and, thanks, uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Let us know how that works out. Uh, it's it's tough. I know some in the past. I people have put up plastic owls, but I think all the birds get used to those things. They they figure it out. You have to move them around. Okay. That's the other thing, right? Yeah, exactly. If they if those owls don't move, then the birds pretty much figure out that they're not alive. So it does become your job to get up every morning and move the owl. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, uh, let's go to our next caller. We have Elizabeth on the line, and she is calling from Toronto. Welcome to the Garden Show, Elizabeth. Good morning. I have just a quick question. My raspberry canes have decided to venture into my rhubarb patches. Well, patches, and, and um, I'm wondering if that's beneficial, or should I remove the um, raspberries? I'm not touching the rhubarb. Right. Uh, I would try and control the, the raspberries and keep them in their own patch. There's no, as far as I know, there's no benefit of them being together. And, of course, raspberries in the rhubarb patch are going to make it very hard to ever get in and do any harvesting of the rhubarb. Very well. Okay, I have worked. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks for calling. 
Okay, uh, let's go. Yeah, we have time. We can go to our next call. Actually, I'll give out the numbers, too. So uh, give us a call. We do have lines uh, are open. So 416-360-0740. That's the Toronto number. Or one 740 4740 might be a question about soil, might be a question about transplanting, uh, whatever it is, give us a call because Charlie will be happy to uh, tackle that question. Uh, let's go to uh, let's go to Anne, who lives in Hagersville. Welcome to the Garden Show, Anne. Good morning. I'm calling uh, about uh, putting vegetables in my planters this year instead of flowers. And mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, should I put any special kind of soil or should I just use container soil like I've been using when I put flowers in them? Exactly. Use the exact same soil you use with your flowers. Remember, though, potting soils, container soils are very peat moss based. They have, you know, vermiculite and perlite and a few things. They usually come with what we call a nutrient charge, which means there's a very tiny bit of nutrient added, but not enough to take those plants right through the season, whether it's flowers or vegetables. So remember, what I use when I'm planting my planters is I use a slow-release fertilizer. It's, okay. uh, you know, it looks like fish eggs. They're quite, it's quite a bulky fertilizer, and you follow the instructions on the package, adding the amount of fertilizer based on the size of the pot. And okay. I usually put the fertilizer in so that it lands, yeah, three, four, five inches below the surface, and then I put all my plants in on top of that, water thoroughly, and that way your plants will be fed through the entire season, mm-hmm. whether it's keeping the annuals flowering or keeping the vegetables producing. You do need to fertilize. Very good. Thank you. You're, thank you. Thanks for the call. You're welcome. Yeah, we're getting some, some great questions in this morning, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, if you have a great question for us, and we expected we might get a few more today because it is rainy today in most of the parts <laughs> of the province. And so uh, there's a lot of things that people, uh, well, that we can't do on rainy days, right? Like uh, like some of the, you said some of the pruning or cutting back. Right. No, that's right? a good point. Yeah, never prune or do any kind of major wounding of plants in the rain but you could i mean depending on how rushed you are and how much time you've got time budgeted for the garden i have definitely been known to plant in the rain Um, and then remember you water as well if you are planting in the rain you still have your watering can handy and your neighbors look at you like you're nuts but you always (laughs) always water after you plant okay 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 we're going to take a a short uh, pause for some important messaging but we will be right back with much more on the garden show Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, we are back here on The Garden Show. Charlie, what have you been doing in your garden this week? What have you been up to? Is there a specific thing? Uh, Well, you know, this was a very good week for doing some transplanting. Uh, because I'm just, you know, as things grow, I always end up moving them around. But the other thing is a lot of my seedlings came up out of my basement, my grow up in my basement, out onto the porch, and they're now experiencing real outdoor temperatures and a little wind, a little rain. So they are going through the process of hardening off. And, of course, my hope is to get them in the ground sometime in the next few days. Gotcha. So do you bring them in at night? Do you do they come in and out? Is that part of the hardening or how does that work? It depends on the temperature. And, and you're right. I think it's this coming Monday night or Tuesday night. It's going to be right down here about four degrees. So I won't be leaving them straight outside that night. I'll be bringing them back onto the porch. So they're undercover. Gotcha. Is, is moving them into a garage another option as well? Um, it, 
For sure. If it's getting cold enough. Yeah, it was interesting this past week because we had a couple of cool nights across the province. And the first night, um, it was very windy. And so there wasn't a lot of frost. It was cold, but the, the wind moved the cold air around. So it wasn't a lot of frost. The second night, which I believe was Thursday night or Wednesday night, uh, there was no wind. So there was frost warnings right from Windsor, right across the province, because the cold just came in and settled right down. Mm -hmm. And we had frost here that, uh, that I believe was Thursday night. So um, light frost, but still a frost. So definitely put things away if that's going to happen. Okay, okay. Okay, let's go to uh, Mississauga now. We have uh, we have Hazel on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Hazel. Thank you. Good morning. I think, Charlie, you've answered some of my um, questions, or you've covered some of my um, inquiries regarding seedlings. But the other question I have is um, I started my seedlings indoors under lights, and they were doing quite well, particularly the veggies. The flower is not so good. I had to try those a couple of times. But the thing is that my leaves started to fade, sort of get yellowy. And the, the older ones at the bottom of the stems, um, actually, some of them did actually die and fall off. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe they needed to be outdoors. And um, I started putting them out, hardening them off. I put them out one day for a mm-hmm. couple of hours and the second day. Um, they're quite tall and now they look leggy but the thing Mm. is when I took them outside I thought okay that's it I'll turn the lights off and Mm. so when I brought them back in they haven't had light since I you know the indoor light um, since I took them outside did I do Mm. the right thing and also can you have any do you have any idea why they might start yellowing? I tried not to overwater them. Okay, so a couple of things. So are they inside your house right now, or are they yes. outside in all this nice rain? No, no. I've I just took them out for a couple of hours yesterday and brought them back in. I haven't left them outdoors at all yet. Yeah, so I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm assuming they're still in the little pots that you grew them in. Um, I would. <clears throat> they do need light, or they will, as you realize, get leggy or stretch towards the light. So what I would do is, I if you could put them outside in a sheltered spot, sheltered from the wind, um, and just leave them outside today, all day, probably even tonight and tomorrow. There is a cool night coming. Like I said, I believe it's Monday night. You'll check your weather forecast. Uh, you may want to bring them in for that evening. But I would try and just let them be outside. Let them experience the, you know, a sheltered spot, not too much wind, but the rain is nice. They, they need the light. Probably why you're seeing some yellow leaves at the bottom. If you look in your little pots that these plants are growing in, do you see roots growing out of the bottom? The odd ones have, you know, the odd little um, root, but nothing, you know, nothing yes. tremendous. Okay. Yeah. So it, then it probably comes back to what I was saying about the, the potting mix when we were, I was talking to Anne in Hagersville. Remember the soil where the seed starting mixes, the potting mixes have no nutritional value. So if our plants stay in those little containers for weeks and weeks and weeks and we're watering and giving light, at some point you have to give some fertilizer. So you'd probably find even today if you mix up a little um, you know, of a water-soluble fertilizer and plant, water all your plants with that, they'll perk up in terms of color. 
okay, I did that once, but I guess not enough. Okay, yeah, and I can leave them And get out. them into the light, for sure. Okay, and I can leave them out. Usually I just take them out for an hour or two and keep bringing them in and extending the yeah. time each day. But well, that's it, exactly. You're, you're preparing them for the real world. So yes. we don't just put them out and leave them there. But, but if you've done, you know, an hour here and an hour there, you've started the process. So now go further. Give them more real world. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah, thanks for the uh, the call there, Hazelin, and good luck on your seedlings. Uh, the number to call us if you live in Toronto is 416-360 or 0740. Uh, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. And uh, this person called on the Toronto number. Yeah, we're going to uh, Lewis, who uh, is in Toronto. Welcome to the Garden Show, Lewis. Hi there. Good morning to both of you. Uh, yeah, Lewis is not asking questions today. Lewis is giving information. How's that? Um, cool. I'm the one that asked about coyotes. Mm-hmm. I did do what uh, Charlie mentioned. I did uh, put it in a dark space, warm, da-da-da-da. It did sprout. I do have a sprout around three to four inches tall. I did put it in a pot, and it's still holding on, so it's still firm. It's still whatever. It has somewhat um, already started um, growing another direction from what it was growing when it was inside a bag, when it, which was what I put it in to make it dark. Mm-hmm. And um, it seems like it's it's holding on, so let's see what happens. But I only did one. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the problem or not, if they need two of them to then, um, like, when they flower so they can uh, kind of, um, what do you call it? Don't remember. Anyway, whatever. No, Sorry? I think you'll be fine with. I, I think you'll be fine with one plant, but it, it is typically it's insects that do the pollination. Um, remember, with all the squash plants, each plant produces both male and female flowers. So, and what happens is, is the flowers open. Assuming that chayote is going to be um, very similar to all the other squashes. The flowers open as the sun rises, so it's a really early uh, and ha- happening. The little flowers start to perk open. Insects just have to be flying around, and they'll visit the different flowers and pollinate in the process. So just keep an eye that, that once the flowers start to happen, that um, there you're outside, there's insect activity around. If not, you may have to be the insect and get the little paintbrush and go out there and do the pollen movement from flower to flower. Yes, that's what I was uh, thinking. Uh, maybe it needed two because you mentioned two, uh, so it, one would pollinate the other type of thing. I don't know. No, they self-pollinate normally. Okay. Like all the, the uh, squashes will self-pollinate, so I assume chayote would be the same. Okay, I just thought I'd give you some information, give everybody else some information since I was the one that brought this up and kind yeah, of puzzled well, you a little. Yeah, great. Love the update. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks so much, Lewis. Have Appreciate the call. Calling, yeah. Yeah. Keep us in the loop. Let us know how it keeps like let us know midsummer how it's going. <laughs> Sweet. Okay, let's go to uh we are going to Aurelia now. We have a first time caller on the line. Scott, welcome to the garden show, Scott. Good morning. Thank you very much. My problem Here's is your a- here are your garden wings. Gotta give you those first. There you go. We uh hey, love the fact that you're a first time caller. Welcome yeah. to the show. We have a six year old sugar maple that uh mm. has all kinds of buds on it but they have not come out. All of the other maples, hard or soft, in the area are out in bloom now and almost full leaf. But this one, nothing. I'm wondering what to do. I broke a little branch off, and there is green uh, skin sort of along 
the woody part of the piece of uh, branch that I broke off. Right. Well, the fact that it's got buds would indicate that it's alive. But it is, though, is it's got what we call a prolonged dormancy. It's it's hesitate. You know what? You're in a really maybe it's a very smart tree and it's just going, hold on. I don't think it's time to grow yet. Well, all <laughs> the dark. others in the neighborhood and the <laughs> ones that we had planted at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, an emerald uh, maple has come out in beautiful full um, mm-hmm. blossom on the front. Yeah. But um, you know, the, the trees are planted it, in sand uh, primarily. Like behind us was a huge uh, sand dune that's now a park. <laughs> it's so, they've planted them on, right on the edge. We've had, I guess, three maples that have uh, not su- survived in those conditions, but we've got yeah. one that has and then one that has not now. And it's been six years. In prior years, it's been a beautiful uh, tree growing, you know, like 30 feet tall. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so a couple of things. A sugar maple would be a good choice in a sandy location because they do not like to be in wet spots. So that's the sugar maple should do fine. What I would do is sometimes this happens with many plants in the spring. Sometimes certain plants just don't keep going like they set their buds and then they sit there and so Mm -hmm. what we end up doing is we do tip pruning on the plant literally just taking the tips off like an inch on all the branches and that forces the buds open however i wouldn't do that yet with your maple i'd wait another week or 10 days the rain that are you getting rain at your place now yes it rained all night so that might just be what what turns the turn changes things that rain might just cause that that sugar maple to expand you know for the buds to expand so i wouldn't do any pruning yet keep an eye you know weather conditions change those cold nights will have slowed things down you know we had it so warm a few weeks ago and then so cool for the last little right. while a lot of things jumped forward and then stopped because of the cool weather so don't panic yet but within the next two weeks if nothing is breaking out no leaves no, no, yeah, right. no leaves are showing then i would start looking at some tip pruning to force those buds to open oh i didn't realize you could do that okay we'll try it. yeah Thank you. it's not a your first choice because it's going to change the form of the tree to do that that's why i wouldn't rush into it because you know maple should have nice straight branches and you start tip pruning you're going to suddenly have some odd odd growth happening but you can fix yeah. that in the future well now it's a beautiful shaped tree right now and we oh, need yeah. to lose it again yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, nothing. Don't do anything radical just yet. Give it a couple of weeks and, if necessary, tip prune. Okay. Thank okay. You. Yeah. Good luck with that, uh, Scott. You. And thanks for the call from uh, from Aurelia. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to have favorite uh, favorite callers, but uh, I'm <laughs> appreciating the fact that uh, uh, that we have a caller on the line who uh, who followed the rules. You know, of course, it's one question per call, please. And so she called back. Okay. And so, and that's the way to play the game, right? Yeah. So we're going to go to Elizabeth now, back in Toronto, and uh, welcome back to the Garden Show, Elizabeth. Yeah, I'm a second time caller, <laughs> and uh, yeah. this, this call is uh, question is totally different. Um, I uh, have a trillium and a jack in the pulpit in my woody shaded area, and um, it's just one and one or two or three, but it hasn't spread in over five or six years. I think I've matured over those. T- times and i really don't want to go into woods and forests and start 
picking native, native plants. My question mm. is, where is it possible in the Toronto area to buy native mm. plants? Mm. Okay, that, well, native plants, probably nowhere in right in the Toronto area, but I will look that up and let you know. I know where I am here, out, you know, I'm not that far from Belleville. There's a couple of great native plant nurseries here. I know out like in the GTA, so it kind of depends how far you'd be willing to drive. So there's some, you know, I think of Brantford, I know there's one. So, but again, it's, or it's out of the, the core. So I can, I'll do a quick search and update everybody uh, throughout the show and whatever I can find for native plant nurseries, unless anybody listening has a suggestion and wants to call in. But I understand it's very slow for these to naturally uh, grow. Like They'll grow, but, you know, actually propagate themselves takes quite a long time. So uh, getting more is great, and don't even consider digging them out of the wild. <laughs> I truly appreciate this. Thank you ever so much. I'll continue to listen. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah, thank you very much, Elizabeth. I have to say that that is one of my very favorite flowers. I think it, because it takes me back to my youth is the trillium. Um, mm-hmm. uh, because in the area that I grew up in, outside of Hamilton, I spent my childhood playing in ravines, and there were trilliums all the time. So I think it just it's kind of one of those great memories for me. I, me too. And and we just took them for granted, right? There'd yeah. be like, you know, swaths of trilliums only early in the spring, and it was really cool, and then they moved on and we forgot about them. But now to grow them in our gardens is, can be quite a struggle, and they do want very perfect forest-like, ravine-like conditions. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, good for Elizabeth that she's got them going in her Toronto garden. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to see if I can figure out a place for her to get more. Gotcha. Okay, uh, we have time. We can squeeze in one more caller before the next break. Let's uh, let's go to Florence, who is calling from Whitby. Welcome to the Garden Show, Florence. Good morning. Thank you. Um, I called you last year about my Brussels sprouts, and I put them in the front garden so the dog wouldn't eat them, and <laughs> they grew enormous. But I was wondering how I can harvest them uh, and get more sprouts off of them, off of each plant, because I think I, um, well, I I tried to dig, uh, no, I tried to cut them down, which was impossible. I had the hacksaw try, because the the, um, stalk was so fat, um, I was trying to saw them down. In the end, I pulled them up. And uh, I put them in the garage, but I think I pulled them a little too soon because there was a lot of little sprouts on there, which I couldn't really harvest. So the trick with Brussels sprouts is that you want to leave them growing in the garden until we've had some frost. They will be sweeter. They taste better if they've been frosted. So leave them as long as you can. They will not survive a real hard frost. So, you know, minus one, minus two, minus three is fine. But as soon as you start to see a minus 10 coming, then you're right. you got to get them into the garage or into the basement or something like that. And then you just harvest them slowly but surely throughout the winter. If you can keep them cool and dark, they will, uh, they're wonderful that way. But yeah, you want to leave them in the ground as long as you can. As long as possible, eh? Right, and then the little ones will get fatter. Exactly. Gotcha. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thanks for calling. Yeah, thank you. Um, I've never grown Brussels sprouts. Uh, Love them. Are they something that you do get only one harvest from a year? 
Yeah, and well, just like Florence said, they're like tree stalks. Like they're they're very cool in the garden because they you know they grow straight up on this like a tree a trunk of a tree, and then lined all the way down the trunk are these little tiny baby cabbages. They're they're super sweet um, to to grow. You but you know I always say to people, grow what you love. So obviously Florence loves Brussels sprouts, so that's one of the reasons she's growing them. The one time I grew them, nobody in my family would eat them. <laughs> so. I was like, okay, I guess I won't be growing those again. <laughs> yeah, I've grown things like that too in the garden, and they won't eat them. So, but yeah. if Florence has any extra Brussels sprouts, she can uh, she can send them by mail to me. We'll uh, we'll eat them. Okay, okay. Have to take another break, uh, but we will be right back with much more on the Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here on the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, aided and abetted by yours truly, Dean Holland. And Charlie, we have another uh, call, another person calling back with a question. We have Lewis again on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, or welcome back, Lewis. Hi there. Um, okay, this time is um, I have uh, some information for Charlie. Maybe there's uh, I heard her mention something to someone about a fabric because and letting the sunlight through and whatever. I know there is a mm-hmm. fabric out there proper for gardening that does let the sunlight through, the water through, and everything through, but doesn't let the insects through. Right. Uh, I don't know if that would be something that could help. Um, Potentially. And now I have. Exactly. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say they're called floating row covers. So you're right. It's like a netting, and there's different levels of mesh. But it's to control. You've got to take it off for insect pollination, but you've got to put it on to protect from predators and pests. But it'll, it'll also protect from birds, I guess. Potentially, yeah. And that was Sandra who was looking for something for her scarlet runner bean. So I imagine she's still yeah. listening. So thank you for that suggestion. Um, now, um, uh, the question is, I have uh, kale that was left from last year in the ground, and it's sprouting. Mm. Now, it's sprouting kind of into seed. How can I make plants out of that kale? Hmm. Yeah, so it's flowering after that cold winter. So it's amazing. The root survived. Uh, how can you make plants? Well, you can certainly grow the seeds. That'll make plants. Otherwise, yeah, I know. Sometimes there's that idea of cutting off... And plant, you know, getting roots to grow. But once it started to flower, I don't think you're going to be able to stop that plant from continuing to flower. So whatever leaves it produces will not be very many. And, of course, usually that's what we we eat when it comes to kale plants are the leaves. So, you know, similar to parsley, coriander, many plants, once they start to flower, the leaf production goes down, the flower production and seed production goes up and if what you want is leaves, then you've got to start again, plant more seeds. What about if you t- um, take off the sprout that's um, that's uh, seeding and see if mm-hmm. it will put, power, uh, put more energy into the, the, the leaves? You can try. You can try. But after a cold winter like that, I, I, the plant's physiology wants it to flower. So I, you can try just cutting off the bud. It's going to be a flower. Uh, like think of rhubarb. does the same thing, right? We're, we get all those great leaves in the spring, but once it starts to flower, the leaves stop stop producing. So, um, And even if you remove the flower on a rhubarb, it's still just going to sit there. It's not going to do much. But it's worth a try. Because I have parsley doing the same thing, and I want to keep the parsley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's a biennial. So yeah, yeah, so you obviously live in a nice 
um, sheltered spot that these plants have survived the winter and and now it's starting to flower. And you know yeah. what? Flowering parsley is a wonderful um, pollinator support plant. So good idea. I think you're going to find, I mean, there's nothing inedible about it for us, but a flowering parsley is a good thing to have in your garden just to bring in some of the pollinators. Yeah, no, I Thanks agree with that. Yeah. But I have two stems. I'm going to try and keep one, maybe take the sprout off the other and see what happens. Yeah, it's worth a try. I think you'll find the leaves won't really produce much, though. Thanks, but, Lewis. Yeah, keep us updated no there, Lewis. Always to, to enjoy your calls there. Let's go wait, to... Wait, yeah, wait, wait. Go ahead. Yeah. I just wanted to say, um, mm -hmm. Elizabeth, who was looking to expand her, her trillium and Jack in the yeah. pulpit uh, collection, uh, and she lives in the Toronto area, a quick Google search... Uh, for native plant nurseries in Toronto, one I didn't think of is the Evergreen Brickworks um, Native Plant Nursery. So I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's a wonderful place for an outing. It's in the Don Valley. It's actually on the Bayview Extension down in the Don Valley. So you might, like, the only time you're ever going to find what they call spring ephemerals, so this plants that bloom in the spring in the woodlands and then disappear all, all summer, the only time you're ever going to buy them is now because otherwise you'd be buying an empty pot and nobody's going to buy what looks like an empty pot. So maybe get out to the Evergreen Brickworks. They're open, as far as I know, seven days a week. Um, there's a, a nursery on Carlaw called Beach, B-E-E-C-H, maybe worth calling them or even calling Evergreen Brickworks. But there's also the, there's a, an actual group, a, a very organized group called the Native Plant Nurseries. .ca. So nativeplantnurseries.ca, they have seed catalogs, they have plant catalogs, and they have a contact us serving the greater GTA and beyond. So yeah, there you go. If you're looking specifically for native plants, either by seed or by plant, go to nativeplantnurseries.ca. Sounds good to me. Okay, we're uh, going to have to go to our next break, but we'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here on The Garden Show. And, Charlie, there was something uh, you wanted to mention before we reached the end of the show today. Yeah, just I've been trying to do a, a good job of being a messenger for all these different garden clubs that are holding plant sales. Just it's a very exciting time to have all these plant sales. They've been you know, off for the last few years due to COVID. Now everybody's coming back. So just want to let everybody know I told you about what's going on today. But next week, mark your calendars. Markham Garden Club, 9 a.m. until sold out at the Markham Village Community Center, 6041 Highway 7 East, right at Main Street, um, Markham. Asian Court Garden Club, 10 to 12, Knox United Christian Education Center, 2575 Midland Avenue at Shepherd. The Hort Societies of uh, Parkdale in Toronto are super excited. They're having their plant fair next Saturday, 10 to 12 at the Ronsi United Church, which is 214 Wright Avenue in Toronto. The Oshawa Garden Club, 9 to 2 at the South Oshawa Community Centre. And the Pickering Garden Club, 11 to 4 at Artfest on the Esplanade behind City Hall. So that's all going on next Saturday. 
Well, that gets a big wow from me. They're just popping up all over the place. For sure. Indeed. Okay, let's go to Mary in Toronto, who's on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Mary. Oh, good afternoon, both of you. Okay, first of all, I bought my trilliums again this week and weeks ago at the Canadian Tire Store at the stockyards in Toronto. And uh, when I bought them a couple of weeks ago, they had a fair, you know, a fair size one. And when we went on Wednesday, they had tons more. They had more shipments, and they had every color. I didn't know there were more than white and yellow, and they have red and purple. And they're lovely. They're really nice. They're only $5.99, and it says Canadian Native Wildflowers. When you come into the uh, flower part at Canadian Tire at the Stockyards, that's Keel and St. Clair. Not okay, to Old Western Road. But also, when you mention, when I got some trilliums years ago for friends of mine in Grimsby, I planted them at the side of my uh, house where there's very little sun and there's um, lilac bushes on the, my neighbor's side, but the mm-hmm. soil's only about six inches deep. But these new ones, my white ones are thriving. I've put them where I have a... Um, uh, Forsythia, and I can't remember the one that turns red. Okay. It's largely shaded, but I thought, you know, in the wild. So I don't know if that's the better place for them. How much sun oh. do they need? Oh, no, they don't. They don't. They naturally grow in very shaded forests. They are uh, on the floor beneath the trees. So, yeah, they're better in the shade. The main thing is they need a highly organic soil. When you're planting any of the forest ephemerals, try and mimic what the the, uh, soil is made out of on the floor of a forest. And it's a lot of leaf litter and leaf mulch. So a really organic Light, but, you know, well-drained, but moist soil is what you're looking for. Um, So, yeah, did you have a a question? But I love that tip. Thank you. Oh, okay. So we will go to our next caller. How's that? Well, uh, we've got, uh, yeah, we've got Margaret on the line from Cambridge. Welcome to the Garden Show, Margaret. Oh, thank you. Good morning. I have a problem with the autumn blaze maples. The bark on both trees is splitting. Uh, what would cause that? It's splitting from the bottom, the ground up. Yes. And, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, if you look at where that splitting is happening and you get your little compass out, I think you'll find that the bark is splitting on the southwest side of the tree or west side, but generally southwest. And we actually okay. call that southwest injury. Why does that happen? Well, <clears throat> thin bark trees, and of course, the autumn blaze maple is a cross between a silver maple and a red maple, and it has very thin bark, particularly when it's young. In the winter, out in out in our gardens, everything's frozen, including the liquids inside the tree, and then we get a sunny day in February or early March. The sun um, beats onto the bark of the trees, the side of the trees as it's going down in the afternoon, thawing some of the liquid under the bark. Then the sun actually goes down, temperatures plummet, everything freezes again. And of course, when the li- the water in under the bark freezes again, it expands and it cracks the bark. Very, very common. Happens, like I say, to many trees, young trees with thin bark. How do we avoid that? Well, number one, for now, Don't do anything to these trees uh, other than to help them heal because they're wounded. No black pruning paint. 
no fancy oh, no. anything. Mm-hmm. Just make sure that they're dry, they're clean, they're healing. Next fall, before winter, get those white plastic wraps, those plastic um, oh. spiral white uh, tree trunk covers and get mm-hmm. the trees protected with white. Uh, the, that will reflect away the sun on a, on a mild winter, winter day and avoid that cra- more, more cracking in the yeah. future. It is in the sun all day long, so that's yes. probably what happened. So that yes. uh, white plastic wrap will help that? Yeah. yeah, you won't have any further splitting if you put the white wrap on the trunks before winter and oh, leave them there all winter. Take them off in the right. spring. Okay. okay. They will yeah, survive, great. right? <laughs> okay. Thanks so much for the call, Margaret. Okay, let's quickly go to Diane and Simcoe. Let's see if we can get a, one quick one in. Welcome to the Garden Show, Diane. Hi. Um, I have a question about kale. My, um, I left it in the garden over winter. And mm-hmm. we've been using it now this spring. Mm-hmm. But my problem is it's in a garden bed where I need to remove it and plant tomatoes. Okay. Can I take cuttings from it or a cutting or something? Will it grow back from <laughs> if I, I plant it I in another doubt garden? It. <clears throat> to take a cutting, you'd have to take a tip cutting which is, might be a flowering cutting, but it's worth a try. So it's, you know, you can't grow kale from a leaf or I wouldn't bother trying. It, it'd be faster just to plant some seeds. Kale seeds don't take that long to germinate. And we're still, remember, it's only May. We can definitely get uh, kale seeds into the ground and have them germinated in the next 10 days and growing as nice little kale plants, you know, in the next few weeks. So okay. do, I'd, I'd go fresh rather than trying to keep uh, the older plant growing. Okay, because um, I, I didn't know whether to just go out and buy another kale plant or mm. for this gardening season would, or what. So I'd start, I'd start fresh. Just It's going to be pretty tough. It, when a plant is that old, the leaves are going to be very leathery. Better to go with a nice tender new plant and start again. Okay, I'll do that then. Okay. Yeah, thanks for calling. Yeah, Wait, thanks. Bunch of people with uh, vegetables that survived the winter. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, quickly, uh, Charlie, I know we don't have a lot of time, but we have we had a, an email from Dorothy in, uh, in, in Stratford basically just wondering, she's doing some landscaping, whether with her perennials you can transplant them twice in a season or whether that's not advisable. Right. So her question was to do is just that, that there's some work going to be done. So she's moving perennials out of the way to do the landscaping. Plus, she's buying plants and, you know, what to do with all this ins and outs and moving around. Number one, Dorothy, yes, you have to move the ones that are in the way. And and I would do that. Mm -hmm. Get that landscaping done. It's going to be all done in the next few weeks. Then you'll move those back to where they were because it's still only going to be mid-June. In the meantime, the ones you're buying, don't plant them at all. Leave them in the pots. You can... Put them in a shady or a slightly shady part of your property, water as necessary, and uh, allow them to do their thing. Plant them in their permanent location once the landscaping is done. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) Thanks, Carlos. Thanks, Dean. Thanks, all great callers. Happy long weekend and happy gardening. See you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.